centering try by Brown of Sarnia. And now the puck is played out to center ice. Found there by the Knights. Here is Julian. Inside the blue line. Julian. Pass back to Woolley. And shot. He scores! His first OHL goal is the Teddy Bear Toss goal. Oh. And the entire London Knights team gets a chance to come and celebrate. Oh. What a thrill. I've just been hit a couple times. That's okay. You don't mind. The Knights, what a thrill for the young fenceman, Jared Woolley. Of all people, Jared Woolley, who, funny story, Mike, we're going to talk about it, was in school that day, joins the London Knights, gets into the lineup, scores his first career Ontario Hockey League goal, and it is the Teddy Bear Toss goal. Episode 92 of The Night Shift. Myself, Kyle Grimard, Mike Stubbs, your host as always, where you can follow us online at Kyle Grimard on uh, Twitter at Stubbs with two Bs, 980. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as globalnews.ca. Mike, there, there's lots to talk about from the week in terms of news. We had a Tuesday game, which isn't all that often for the London Knights. And of course, they get set and ready for a weekend set with the Saginaw Spirit and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. But Mike, we got to start with Tuesday. Teddy Bear Toss game. It's a game, Mike, that we previewed on the podcast last time. One that everybody circles on their calendar coming up against the Sarnia Sting, which is the Battle of the 402. And it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. A record 11,924 teddy bears. Congratulations to the London Knights community. The Salvation Army says a great big thank you. And you're right. The guy they call the wolf, Jared Woolley. I love that we've got a few nicknames. I, I know they're they're not a lot removed from what somebody's actual name is, but we've got Easton Cowan who gets called Cowboy. We've got Sam O'Reilly who gets called Peanut. And that's because of a peanut allergy, I know. But it's stuck, and people call him Peanut. And now you've got Jared Woolley, who they call the Wolf. And he, yes, was in school. In fact, Taylor Siconiatis, who does Nights TV and works with us at Chorus Radio London, she actually talked with Jared after the game to get that story. So you woke up today? Yeah. Normal day. And then? Uh, I was in school. It was about... 11 o'clock maybe or a little before that and I get a text from our assistant coach telling me I was going to be in tonight so um, I mean obviously you stop thinking about school you start thinking about the game but um, yeah I found out this morning so not a whole lot of heads up. Now I've heard you went out there into the room and you said I'm going to get the goal tonight you watch. Yeah. Now a lot of people can talk the talk but very few can walk the walk. What is it like that you, now that you've scored that goal you had the Bears come down for your first OHL goal? Um, I mean it's amazing it's it's funny I was just more saying it as a joke when I first came here obviously um, we have a lot of good players that could have scored that goal so when uh, when I was able to score it I mean obviously after talking all that um, it's it's fun though so that's great you know there's something to be said about the Knights fans and the atmosphere that they provide in games like this what was it like to feel and receive that kind of love and support tonight um, I mean it's amazing I, people telling us when we're walking out like nice goal woolly or or little things like that it's great and then you hear them on the ice I mean uh, 
when I first scored it, I didn't really hear them. I was just kind of just celebrating, I guess. But um, yeah, it's great to have that support with all these people at this uh, in this city. Was there a little bit of shock when you scored it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I found myself in a good position, but uh, yeah, there was definitely some shock when I first scored it. Yeah, Taylor Sikoniatis and Jared Woolley, who scores his very first OHL goal. Kyle, it will be replayed forever, at least once a year, because every single teddy bear toss goal gets played while the Bears are being picked up, so it gets added to the reel. And how special is it? The Knights have permission to come off their bench because they're helping to pick up the Bears. And Jim Van Horn and I were thinking about that, and we think it was Mitch Marner that started this. And I'm not sure that Mitch had permission the first time, but Mitch is a guy who can't sit still. And so he was on the bench with the London Knights watching the teddy bears. And I'm pretty sure he just said, I got to go. I got to help. I'm helping pick people up. I'm helping pick bears up because, in fact, somebody did fall and Mitch was right there to pick them up on the ice. And that has been the tradition ever since. The Knights come out and they help pick up all of the bears. And that means that you celebrate the teddy bear toss goal as a team. And with Jared Woolley scoring his first Set up by Jacob Julian. Beautiful feed as Jacob Julian stays hot. It's a pretty historical event that now brings down a record number of bears. And Kyle, can we thank Savneth? Oh God! Can we ever say uh, thanks, Savneth? Because you know everybody comes in and and listen. Thank you to everybody for contributing and creating the record for what has been done at Budweiser Gardens with what you said, eleven thousand nine hundred twenty-four bears. But Savneth, along with you know, uh, a couple of different London communities were in charge of bringing 2,500 bears as a donation prior to the actual toss on the ice. So before the game even started, Mike, there was already a count of 2,500 bears. And Sabnath, who, if you've been to the games before, is whenever it gets featured as uh, the lightsaber when you go on the Jumbotron and he's got the neon green pants and he's always cheering is at every game he brings his kids with him. I just, I love the fact that, you know, he got his moment. He got a chance to, you know, do something like that for the community because he is starting to become well-known within the London Knights organization as well. And Mike, I just want to say too, if you want to speak to the character of him, I have a quick story. As he was leaving for the game, when we made the announcement, he walked down and tapped me on the shoulder and gave me a holiday card with just saying thank you for being a part of the night's games and a part of the night shift. And if you want to know what type of person Savneth is, that's kind of all you need to know about it. He is an outstanding individual and somebody who gives back to the community and just little things like that go such a long way, Mike. Sav may have the greatest energy in this oh. city, and I would put him up against anybody in terms of positivity and what he tries to do for others. And Sav told a story to us, and it's one that, well, it, it's one that's pretty special. In fact, Sav told the story to Taylor as well. It's surreal, right? You know, I was a kid that got a bear once, so for me, it's come full circle. And it's just not about me, it's the group, the amount of people that help. A gentleman I never met before just sent me 500 bucks to buy bears. So it's just, it's just a, such a surreal, organic growth. Uh, the Knights fans are the best fans. It's not, not by giving, you know, up or downs. They're always there to support the team. And it's such a, such a, great, such a great team, such a great community. And, and in everybody, the, the employees, the staff, like everywhere you go, you feel the love, you feel the energy, you, do, you, you know, it cares. So to see us give back to the community, the local community, 
such a surreal experience. So Savnath, growing up in a family with a single mom who was doing everything she needed to to make ends meet, didn't have the money to play hockey, and he admits he was somebody who received a teddy bear. And then you look in his eyes to say, now it's come full circle. It's special. Gosh, it, it really is. And and I feel like, you know, a lot of games for him are are a big deal, but but especially coming out and hearing that story, you know that the teddy bear toss is a special place. And it has a special place in a lot of people's heart, to be totally honest with you. But uh, it, it really is fun getting a chance to see all that, all the joy on, on people's faces and just they, they light up. It's a reason to give and it's a reason to donate and it just everything goes towards a good cause. And thankfully, Mike, we talked about this on the last episode, the uh, Sarnia Sting, when they did their teddy bear toss, they had all the bears tossed on the ice but there wasn't even a goal scored at that point. And the Knights luckily were able to score a nice goal in the first period. They got it out of the way and then found their way to fight through and play the rest of the game, Mike. And they end up uh, taking out their, their mini two game slide with a four to one victory over Sarnia and a nice tidy win. Sarnia. Yes. Has a lot of young players, but they're a team that you have to beat. Sarnia shows up and they play hard all game. You have to beat them, and the Knights were able to do that, and we saw a couple of nice plays. Jacob Julian, again, just his rocket ship of a rise in terms of what he has been able to do. You look at the play that he makes. Think about the second goal that the London Knights scored. Max McHugh got it, so there's a gorgeous pass, and Max McHugh goes to the net on a breakaway, and gets stopped by Nick Serzicu, who is very good in the game. He always seems to play very well against the London Knights. On the ice, think about being out there when somebody has a breakaway. It's so easy to become a spectator. Oh, breakaway. Let's see if they score. So easy to become a spectator. Jacob Julian beats his check, skating hard to the net, just in case. And what do you know? Serzicu makes the save. Julian is right there to grab the puck. Max McHugh goes to the back post, and Jacob Julian slides him a pass that he buries. And without that, instead of being a 2-1 lead when Sarnia scored, that would have been a 1-1 game. And sometimes that changes complexions in the way that the team is feeling. That was such a key goal for the London Knights. Oh, very much so. And, you know, put the Knights on that 2-1 lead at that point. And, Mike, like you said, like anything happens where a goal goes one way and if it doesn't go, it comes back the other way. You know, Easton Cowan had a goal called back in this game due to goaltender interference, which would have made the game 3-1. to It gets called back. It's then a 2-1 game. So there's even more relevance on that Max McHugh goal because if that goal doesn't go in, then we're talking about this being a 1-1 game and it's a lot closer than anyone wants it to be. But, you know, they keep pushing and you're right. Like the Knights, it's a nice tidy win, but you have to beat Sarnia. It's not just going to get handed to you. And the Knights were able to do that. Cowan ends up scoring a little bit later on in the game as well. Michael Simpson, a very steady performance from him all the way through, especially towards the end where the Knights gotten a little bit of penalty trouble and took, I think, three consecutive penalties. They're able to, to keep everything out of the nets and, you know, they find a way to get back into the win column and a good way to, to start the week. It's nice to get a win on a Tuesday heading into a weekend matchup. It is. And that gives you a nice little lift because if we are to spell out the two games that the Knights will be playing this weekend, one against the Saginaw Spirit at home and then one in Sault Ste. Marie on Sunday afternoon, it's pretty easy. You need four letters, H-A-R and D, hard. That's what this schedule is. Saginaw set a record with 10 consecutive wins. The Knights went into Saginaw last Saturday, played an outstanding first period, and then Saginaw went, okay, 
Now it's our turn. And they came out and they played a really good second period and got themselves back into it. And as Dylan Hunter pointed out after the game, third period was a toss-up and Saginaw was able to go and get it. This is a team that is relentless. And then Sault Ste. Marie has won five of six games. They limited the very high-scoring Sudbury Wolves to two goals in an overtime victory during this week. And so this is a team that, again, wants to stay where they are in the standings, battling for top spot in the West Division with the Saginaw spirit. And it looks like they're going to be able to do that. And so this is a hard, hard weekend. It's got some travel in it. And we're starting to get close to the holidays. So you need that right mindset. And we're going to talk about the guys who won't be there in Sault Ste. Marie in just a little bit because they'll be with Hockey Canada. But Saginaw is a team that has a power play and a penalty kill that have been ranking number one since the slow start of theirs ended. They had a bit of a slow start to the season. They won four of their first 12 games, and you're starting to think, mm, but remember, we talked about them, and we said, hey, this is going to happen because it's a different beast being the host of the Memorial Cup, and you really feel it from the beginning. The London Knights have been through it, and then they started to find themselves, and they did it a lot through special teams. They still rank number one in power play and number one in penalty kill. And it's not just number ones. Their penalty kill is 87.5%. That means wow. they're allowing a goal 12.5% of the time. That's unheard of. And their power play sits at 35%. Now, the London Knights, their power play right now is just under 60%. For their last seven games, which is ridiculous. <laughs> they scored two more power play goals against the Sarnia Sting. The two for seven took them down just under 60% by my math over seven games. So that power play is clicking as well. So battle of the special teams, stay out of the box. All that kind of stuff is in play for the Friday game. And then as for the Sioux Greyhounds, you've got to take a look at who has been making them go in the last little while. And the Sioux Greyhounds are led by Jack Beck, who is a great pickup from the Ottawa 67s. R2 Karki has been such an amazing pickup. He's a Vegas Golden Knights draft pick, and he is somebody that has, I don't know, it's between him and Casper Haltonen for yep. best one-timer in the league. It really is. And both have actually played two games with each other on a Team Finland at international events. They've only played twice, but they've been on that team. They're going to be on teams together, including probably this year's World Junior team. And then Bryce McConnell-Barker, who's from London, is their captain, great leadership. And so they have really been steady all year. Sault Ste. Marie will sometimes get off to a really fast start, and then they come back to earth a little bit. Well, they've been really steady all season long, and they've been getting pretty good goaltending from Charlie Schenkel and Landon Miller. Charlie Schenkel is a guy who came into this year and really wanted to show that he was a number one goalie, and he's been given that number one role. And so far, I mean, he, he's got a 313 goals against. He's got an 884 save percentage. Sault Ste. Marie tends to play in games where goals are scored, but he's been steady. He's been making saves at the right time. Well, and, and they're getting contributions too, Mike, from younger guys. Travis Hayes is a is a one of their leading rookie guys. And it's funny, very actually identical numbers to Knights rookie Sam O'Reilly, both with seven goals, eleven assists, and eighteen points. So they're up and down the lineup. They have depth, they can score anywhere. Their young guys are chipping in. Their penalty kill has been very good. Uh, like you said, clicking at about 85% of the time, which is quite difficult to continue doing. And this is gonna again, they've played already. 
already. Sue were able to win in extra time, but this is another good matchup going on the road this time. And and, and the Knights have historically, Mike, and, and maybe I'm wrong for this, but historically, they've been a very, very good road team. They've I think they're about eight, five, and one this year, but on the road is where their power play really shines at home. You know, they they're just under 20%, but on the road, and this is all season. This isn't, you know, of late where you're talking about their power play, clicking at over 60% on the road throughout the entire year, their power play is at 43%. So they are really taking advantage of being up a man on the road. And I think going into the weekend, even at home on Friday against like uh, against, sorry, the uh, Saginaw spirit, if if they can find a way to keep that power play going, maybe not the 60% clip that they've been doing, but if they're anywhere in that 40% range of, of scoring on the power play, it can be lethal and detrimental to their opposing team. And if they want to get a win against the Sioux, that power play has to stay hot. It does. It absolutely does. And the Knights will get a good test in Sioux St. Marie. The key this time around, the Knights, when they go to the Sioux, and sometimes this doesn't really have an impact, but in a way it should – the last schedules for the last few years have had the Knights going to either Saginaw or Flint the night before. And then Sault Ste. Marie has this advantage. They have a lot of travel, but there are ways they can take advantage too, where a lot of times you will have a team playing somewhere else on their way to the Sioux to break up the trip. And that means they're coming in and they're getting in at 2, 2.30. There was a snowstorm last year. We got to Sault Ste. Marie at 4.25. That alarm goes off at 8 o'clock. It just does. And so you have just a few hours to prepare. This time around, the Knights have a full night's sleep. They eliminate the chance of having to get up and go after a short night's rest. Now, the weird thing is, I, if I'm thinking back right, I think the Knights were coming from Flint in that snowstorm, and they won the next day in overtime. So three and a half hours sleep. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. We'll just go out and win. And and sometimes that will happen. We'll get into that in just a couple of minutes when we talk about Team Canada and the selection camp and who won't be in Sault Ste. Marie, because you start looking around the room saying the stars are gone. Guess it's up to me. And it was that kind of thing. Hey, we, we don't have any excuses. We're tired. Sure. Whatever. Still got to go out and play. And you wind up winning the game. So the Greyhounds can take advantage sometimes of opponents. But the Knights have been playing fairly well. The games are tough in Sault Ste. Marie. They're tight. And for whatever reason, that's that's just the way it's been historically. Sault Ste. Marie is a load because they will sometimes not just jump one defenseman into the rush. They'll jump both. And so if you're not careful and if you turn the puck over at their blue line, they are back the other way on an odd man rush. They feast on that stuff. So taking care of the puck is especially important against Sault Ste. Marie, especially at their blue line. No fancy stuff. Get it deep. Go get it. And you will eliminate a lot of the possibility of those odd man rushes that they like to feast on. Well, it, it sounds like they, they make you earn everything. It's nothing's going to be given to you against the Sioux Greyhounds. And, you know, even with uh, with Saginaw, you know, if, if you punch, expect to punch back. They're going to be able to throw. And we saw that a week ago on Saturday. And uh, I would expect a very similar situation if, you know, if, if the Knights punch first, you know, Saginaw is going to come back and, and throw another one. So it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a big test for them this uh, this coming weekend. And, you know, might even be a bigger test because we got some news out of the World Junior Hockey Championships and their selection camps. The Some of the rosters have been announced specifically, Mike, Team Canada. We're Oliver Bunk, Denver Barkey, Easton Cowan. Three members of the London Knights organization have been invited 
to the World Junior Selection Camp for Team Canada. All three, Mike, made a massive jump so far this year. All of them have a legitimate shot at also making the team. This isn't like a, uh, these aren't pity invites that are just going out for the sake of going out. These are players that all could, all three of them could be cracking this roster. Absolutely. Well, we've heard from Scott Salmon, who is the senior vice president of hockey operations with Hockey Canada. In fact, let's go back to exactly what he said, because you hear that this is a 19-year-old tournament, and all three of these guys are 18. But when we brought that up with Scott, Here's the way he put it. People will always tell you it's a 19-year-old tournament. I don't really buy into that. It's a, it's the best player tournament. And so, you know, again, you got some 18-year-olds in this game. You got uh, Marky, you got Cowan, you, you got Monk. Those are real good 18-year-old players. You can't dismiss them because of their age. If they can play, then they're going to play. It doesn't matter if they're 18. You know, uh, Celebrini is, is playing with men in the NCAA. He's 17 years old. He's a heck of a player. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta park some of that. Some of it. It's maturity, but at the end of the day, we're just going to take the best players. And you know, it, and people will say probably this year, if we have five or six 18-year-olds, you know, you're building for next year. You want to build for Ottawa. We're, we're building. We're we're trying to win every year. Can't like, do that. If I'm trying to build yeah. for the next year, then I, I might not have my job next year. So we're just trying to build the best players. I don't care if they're 17, 18, or 19 years old. That is Scott Salmon who is the Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations with Hockey Canada. He's one of the key guys picking who goes to the selection camp. And he mentioned those three guys by name, Barky, Cowan, and Bonk. So, yeah, they get a chance to go. And right now, they know it's just to the selection camp. But we still sat down with all three of them to get some World Junior memories from each of them. Which game do they remember watching? And who were they watching it with? Because... Everybody now pays attention to the World Junior Hockey Championship. First off, here is Easton Cowan. Obviously, you know, it's something that every kid dreams of doing. So uh, lots of memories of the boys winning gold. But uh, probably uh, when Akil Thomas scored that one to, you know, make it 4-3 and win the gold, that was pretty cool. And that was the one where now your head coach, Dale Hunter, was on the bench. So where would you have been watching that? Uh, probably my grandparents or my house, yeah, something like that, uh, just watching the game. Denver, let's talk about watching World Juniors. Where do you typically watch it? Um, yeah, normally at home with, uh, with my family and friends. Uh, used to watch a lot with my buddies around Christmas time. I know, you know, we always look forward to watching, watching them, them play, so... Um, I remember, I remember the Max Domi and Duclair year when they played Russia in the finals, and they got a, they got out to a really hot start, and then Russia kind of started coming back. I remember, I remember that game pretty vividly, and um, yeah, obviously super fun, super fun time to watch hockey around Christmas time. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Wasn't that a Captain Morgan celebration or whatever that they kept doing? They had every time they scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oliver, how about you? You you think back to what game when you think of the World Juniors? I think Mason. McC- Tavish is like when he batted down the goal line, saved the goal, then they went down and scored. I think I know it's pretty recent, but I think it was it was electric. What is it like to have been named to this selection camp roster at 18 for the three of you, Oliver? Yeah, I think it's really special for all three of us. I know uh, three from a team is pretty special. I think everyone these guys deserved it, so I think it's a really special moment for everyone. Denver, what was it like for you to find out? 
Yeah, obviously it's super cool. Like 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 I said, you kind of watch it um, growing up at Christmas time watching Team Canada. So have that uh, opportunity to represent your country is super cool. And obviously to be able to um, possibly do it with these two guys here is, is awesome. And I think we all we all deserve it. We've all worked really hard for this. So um, hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can make the team and, and have fun in Sweden and maybe bring home gold. Easton, just a final thought on being named to the selection camp. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, happy for all these boys, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Easton Cowan, Oliver Bonk, Denver Barkey on what they remember from the World Juniors. And all three of them have that mindset, and you could see it. They, they sure, they, they sat down and talked with us about this, but it wasn't, okay, I'm on the team. It's, I'm going to the selection camp. I still have to make the team. So as much as you want to say, yeah, this is a really special moment, there is a but in it, and you can see it in all of their eyes. They know there is still a team to make. The selection camp will begin as the Knights are in Sault Ste. Marie. And so we asked Rob Simpson, Knights Associate General Manager, what is it that the London Knights do when you remove three stars from your lineup? Yeah, I think it's pretty phenomenal, really, that those three guys made it. You know, it's typically an older older tournament where it's a majority of 19-year-olds, and for them to have the ability to go at 18 and, and represent their com- country and be able to at least showcase that they're, they should make the team and get to the tournament is pretty special, and I think everybody here at the organization is really proud of them. You know, like we, we do every year when we have this happen, it's going to give an opportunity to a bunch of young guys, and we have, um, you know, some players playing Junior B that have been chomping at the bit to give get their chance and show that they can actually play in the league and how well they can do and um, it's a real good chance for those guys right now it's not like the Knights haven't been through this before no we you know luckily and we're thankful that we have had good players that have been selected for their countries to go before and uh, so we do have some experience going through this Rob Simpson Knights associate general manager so guys are going to get a chance to play. More of those texts are going to be going out like the one Jared Woolley got, Kyle, that say, yeah, you're in the lineup tonight and let's see what you've got. And we've seen some really good performances so far in the GOJHL from guys who will be big time players for the Knights in the future. And now they get a chance over at least the selection camp period to come up and play some games. And it's it's great to be able to see just how the OHL works. And here's the routine of a game day. And here is the routine of a road game. And they'll get that. And then here's what it feels like to go up against two of the hottest teams in the Ontario Hockey League in Saginaw and Sault Ste. Marie. Now, Barky Cowan and Bonk will play against Saginaw, but then it'll be Sault Ste. Marie, Windsor, Owen Sound, Sudbury. And those are the games that... All of those guys could have a real shot at getting into here and there. Wooly, Nickel, Johnson. I mean, you go down the list. There there are a lot of young players who have had opportunities and, and have had looks with the London Knights that could be getting a bigger role. Sam O'Reilly will be a guy, you know, leading with uh, with rookie scoring with 18 points. He might have a bigger role. Guys that are going to be leaned on include Max McHugh. And of course, uh, you know, Sam Dickinson on the back end is, is going to have to do a whole lot. And Isaiah George. And I think the back end will be good and the goaltending as well. But, you know, up front, they're going to be looking for guys to fill in because 
Denver Barkey, 37 points. Easton Cowan, 36 points. Oliver Bonk, 28 points. Those are three of the top four scores currently on the London Knights. That is a lot of points to be leaving the roster. So someone's going to have to come in and, and fill that. I don't think it's going to be one guy, Mike. Obviously, you know, it's going to be more of a committee-based thing, but I'm wondering who those guys are going to be. Who steps up with the increased roles? Who finds a way to, to take in some secondary scoring and elevate themselves to fill in for the meantime? And there is still the question mark of Casper Haltonen. And yes. so if we see Casper Haltonen go as well, that makes four. And it's the top four. goal scorer, four for four. And it's also four of the top five players on your number one power play unit. Mm. And so you've got jobs open on the power play. Everybody loves to play power play. So there are real opportunities here. And it's something that really helps in that big picture that we talk about, the growth of any organization. This is something that, Annually, the Knights do have to deal with, and as Rob Simpson put it, they're fortunate. They're lucky. That means that they do have good players, and it does help in that growth of the organization. Yeah, I, and you know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm excited to see because I always love when these young guys come in. Because not too long ago, one of those young guys was Easton Cowan. One of the young guys was Denver Barkey. One of those young guys was Oliver Bonk. You know, when players were out of the lineup for times. The Knights organization has done this. And this I'm just going back to a year or two ago, Mike. You can go back years and remember a time when a young player came in and all of a sudden became a star for this team or had a pretty substantial role. But th this is just this is the time where you find those players who take that next step because Every year that rolls through, you've got to be looking for the next guy to step up and fill that. We've we have seen it year after year. And, you know, this is just another opportunity. You bet. Looking forward to it. Big weekend, big things to come, lots of stuff to talk about. We'll hear from Frank Caprice on our next podcast. Yes. And he will talk about the tradition of singing the anthem at the World <laughs> Juniors, because we'll start to add in a little bit of World Junior stuff and World Junior stories. Looking forward to it going to be a lot of fun and again follow along with the podcast thank you for for supporting it for thank you for for listening and and everything uh that goes into it making us a part of your day spotify apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts, as always at stubs 980 he has all of the calls for every single night's game uh you can check him out for all his calls on socials you know your your call mike on the teddy bear toss goal and i don't know how you find a way to film it and call it at the same time it's multitasking at its absolute peak i love it and uh he's got the games on on Friday and on Sunday. Mike, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Kyle. We'll see you.